a random Hebrew exile has a conversation with Daniel, that Daniel. Maybe it went something like this. Daniel, did you hear about the new law? You did? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Darius just signed the new law in that says, for a whole month, you can't pray to any gods but him. Yeah, yeah, I, I know you and him are tight, but maybe you just, maybe just didn't tell you about it. But, but it's true. He signed it into law. I, it was the, I think it's about 120 satraps that got together and, and, and told the king, and I think the king was flattered by it and thought, well, that'll kind of unite my kingdom, and, and so let, let, let's do it. Did you hear about what would happen? Well, you know how the Babylonians used to throw people into the furnace, the fiery furnace? They were all about burning people. Well, you know how the Persians, they worship fire, so they, they, they don't burn people up? They got lions. You know, you know the really hungry ones that could kill you before you actually reach the bottom of the den? Those lions. Those lions. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know about the fiery furnace. I know it was seven times hotter. I know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're your buddies. I got it. I heard the story. I've, I've grown up kind of knowing that story, Daniel. Yeah, yeah, I, I know God delivered them. But you know what? God doesn't always save people from dying. Daniel, that's true. You know it's true. My uncle, Jerusalem, Nebuchadnezzar rolls in. My uncle's not alive today because of that man. Well, I know you may not care, but, but, but I care about this. I, I care about this. Well, I'm glad you agree with me that you could lose your life. So I got a plan. You want to hear it? Here's my plan. How about for one month, we don't pray? No, really. I mean, don't look at me like that. Just, just take a month off of praying. I took yesterday off and I'm still here. What's the big deal? Yeah, okay. Okay. Well, I knew you'd say that. I, I knew you'd say it. I knew you'd say, oh, I can't stop praying. That, that's, that's what I do. I knew it. So I've got plan B. It's even better. Want to hear plan B? Okay. This is what we're going to do. You're going to keep your window shut when you go to pray. And when you pray... You're not going to speak it out loud. You're going to you're going to pray in your mind. That's a good that's a good thing. And if you got to say it out loud, I would just say a whisper. Now, now, now I know I know Solomon said we're supposed to pray towards Jerusalem. I I, I know what Chronicles says. I've memorized that verse. But just a month, just just change for one month. You can still pray. No one will know. No one's putting you under the test. No one's making you bow before the image. You can get away with this. Really? Really? So, you're still going to do the same thing you've always done. Three times a day. Everybody knows this three times a day, Daniel. I know you're like, you're like 83, but do you have a death wish? All you've got to do is adjust for one month. Fine. You just keep praying. So Three Lakes, I'm wondering, you know, in Daniel's life, I'm thinking, what do people think about Daniel? Because I read this, you know, and I think about 
how Daniel was so consistent, so regular in his faith that, that they knew where he was praying at. They knew how to catch him. You know, they, they knew all of that. So why didn't Daniel just change for a month? Why didn't he just make it different? What, what, was he stubborn? Was he obstinate? What's up with that? Why do you pray with your window open where someone can catch you when all you got to do is not pray or, or alternatively, just keep your window closed? No one will know. It's one of the most well-loved stories in the Bible, and i got to ask, what's up with Daniel? Um, you know, if we took this too far, you could end up saying to the persecuted church, don't, don't meet in secret. Meet openly. That's what Daniel did. He didn't make any secrets about it. But I don't think that's the word that this is saying to the persecuted church. Would you turn to Daniel chapter 6? Let's take a look at it together. Some of you have heard this story for your whole life. Whole lives. I want you to look at Daniel 6, verse 13. This is the satraps, the ones that want to get Daniel in trouble. They said to the king, Daniel is one of the exiles in Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree that you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel, made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict uh, that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and they threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to the palace and he spent the night without eating, without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They haven't hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. So the king was overjoyed and gave the orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. I would like to say this morning that one of the key features of Daniel's life is his consistency. It's a steady, faithful walk with God. He is consistent in his walk of faith. That's one of the lessons you can learn from Daniel, and it's something we're called to. Walk consistently with God. Think of the verses that support this idea. You think of like uh, John 15, abide in the vine. Okay? Abide means to stay there, right there. Don't detach. Stay there. And when you abide in the vine, you'll bear much fruit. You think of First uh, John 2 where it says, if you abide in Him, you should walk as He walked, as Jesus walked. So, 
Walking denotes a, a consistent step-by-step growth in the faith. I'm walking with the Lord. It, it, it's consistent. It's regular. This is Daniel. Out of the ups and downs in his life, we've looked at Nebuchadnezzar, and now we're looking at Darius. And, and you're like, how do you survive Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius? How do you survive Babylonian Empire, transitioning to Persian Empire? I mean, when there's empire changeovers... That's not easy. That's just the way it is. How do we then survive the moral revolution in this country? How do we survive when sexual freedom is increasing and religious freedom seems to be decreasing? And I'm not saying it's going to go away. I'm just saying this is the trend. This is where we're heading. Where perversion is normalized and morality and, and, and speaking out morally is being pushed aside. I truly believe that there's many in this country that will not stop until the unconditional surrender of the church. That, that's where we're at today. So, how do you survive the ups and downs? How do you survive a moral revolution? How do you survive a new president? What's your faith look like there? And I think from Daniel... He would say the lesson of his life is just be consistent in your faith. The question is, are you an ice cube or a rock? You know, when, when, when the pressure mounts, do you melt? Or do you keep your shape? When the squeeze happens, what happens to you? Be consistent. Now I know some of you would say to me, but life's not consistent. Life has ups and downs, and my emotions aren't consistent. When you hear the diagnosis, when you see what's going on in your family, when that thing happens, life's not consistent. My emotions aren't consistent. When Peter walks on the water, he's not consistent. He's sinking. And I know that we sink. And if we say we have not sinned, we lie. So if I sin, I know I'm not being consistent. And I think I sin every day, so... There's an inconsistency there, right? But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your walk with Christ. Is your walk of faith consistent? So that when the storm blows, Jesus isn't saying, Oh, ye of little faith, because you're able to walk on the water. You're strong like a rock, who was what Peter was being formed to be. And you don't melt like the ice cube. Be consistent. So, as we go through this just briefly, I'd like to mention three areas where I think you see Daniel's consistency in his life in this passage. You could trace this through his whole life, but you're going to see it right here in the face of the lions. Consistency. Number one, you see a consistent prayer. There's a continual prayer. Look at verse 10. I love this. Now, when Daniel learned, I don't know who he learned it from. Was it a Hebrew exile like I was showing this morning or somebody else? When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. The writer wants you to notice that. Just as he had done before. So Daniel... What earth-shattering way does your life change when you hear you got to pray to Darius or face the lions? 
Actually, nothing changes in my life. I just go back to my room and I pray. Think about this. Um, 120 satraps, they're the leaders. And they want to take out Daniel. They're jealous of him. They want his job. They don't like Hebrews. There's probably racism going on there. And, and you want to take out Daniel, and the only thing you can think of that you could possibly trip him up in is his own devotion to God. So that's your plan A to get rid of Daniel. Now, when you attack somebody, how do you normally attack them? How does the devil attack you? I think you attack people's weaknesses, right? I mean, that's just, that's what armies do. They want to exploit weakness. Now think of this. The satraps attack Daniel's strength. Right? I mean, this is the consistent thing in his life. Uh, uh, Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. No one can interpret. He's going to kill all the wise men. That's all right. We're going to pray. You know, this is what we do. And on the good days when everything's fine and Daniel's being exalted, he still goes to his room three times a day and prays. Why three times a day? Can we get that? I think the Chronicles verse up. I mentioned this. This is Solomon saying, Hear the supplications of your servant and your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. So, so Daniel's just doing what Solomon said to do. Pray towards Jerusalem. That's where God's presence is. It, it, formerly in the temple, pray that way. So that's what Daniel did. And then the next verse, you can put that one up too. Uh, Psalm 55. Uh, this, is, this is the psalmist saying, I call to the Lord. The Lord saves me. Evening and morning and noon, I cry out in distress and He hears my voice. It's very possible that Daniel read this and said, that's exactly what I'm doing. Evening, morning and noon, I'm praying to God. And so he was in the court of the king doing his duties and it's like, i got to take a lunch break. And it wasn't that people didn't know what he was doing. They all knew what he was doing. His reputation was solid. I'm going home to pray. This is no secret. And they knew they'd catch him after the edict went out. Just stand by the door. Wait. Here he is. He's home. It's lunchtime. Burst in there. We'll catch him. Oh, that our faith would be so consistent and so public that people could just set their watch by it. You know? that we would be like that in our prayer life. I was thinking about this this week. My, my prayer life, you know, I pray at this time, that time. I mean, I, I pray throughout the day, but I don't think I'm as, as regular as Daniel. And I think there's something beautiful about the regularity there, the consistency of it, that you ought to think about. You know, I think, well, let's face it. Here's just a little admission for you, a little confession. The people that I know that pray the... Made me pray the most in the most profound ways. Almost always are able to tell me what time they pray. You know, isn't that weird? You know, now I also met some people that pray throughout the day anytime. Those people are awesome too. And if that's you, keep doing it. Don't, don't let me discourage you this morning. But I've noticed that some of the most prayer warring people say, oh yeah, it's 6.30 a.m., that's it. Or it's 9 p.m., that's it. This is when we pray. And there's something beautiful about that that I'd like to encourage you in. Daniel's consistent in his prayer life. And the ironic part is, that's what they think they'll attack. Let's attack Daniel's strength and see how that goes. 
So prayer life. Uh, number two, when we're talking about consistency in your faith, we could say Daniel had continual, consistent service. Look at verse 16. Uh, 16. The king gave the order. They brought Daniel, threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. Now remember, the king tried to rescue Daniel earlier. He was so disturbed by it. As soon as they said, Daniel's been praying to his God, the king knew he was trapped. And so the king says, May your God, whom you serve continually, may He rescue you. It's almost like saying, Daniel, I gave it my best shot. Now it's on your God. And it's the God you serve all the time. And then he says it again later in verse 20. Might as well look at it again because he does it again. Uh, When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions, whom you serve continually? Think about that. What if my whole life is about serving God continually, no matter what I'm doing? What if the only way you'll ever feel fulfilled at your job is to view it as service to God? What if the only way to, 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 to be in a workplace, in a work environment, and say, this, this is what God has for me, is to introduce your faith into your work environment? Uh, look at Ephesians. Ephesians says, uh, this is to slaves, by the way, but I think it applies to us. I don't think any of you would probably call your job slavery, although you may be tempted to, but that's not true. Uh, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Because you know the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good He does, whether He's slave or free. So every day that you go to work, you're serving God. And He could even say that to slaves at the time. You're serving God. When you introduce the Lord into your job, that's what He requires. So we don't, we don't want to be like, uh, here's the secular part of my life and here's the sacred part of my life. Here's Monday through Friday, Saturday's for me, Sunday's for God. Well, Sunday morning's for God, the rest is for me. But, you know, um, we don't, we can't... I don't see verses that encourage us to separate our lives into secular and sacred compartments. It's all the Lord's. No matter what you do, whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it to the glory of God, as we've been singing today. To God be the glory. So Daniel was able to serve Nebuchadnezzar, a wicked king, a prideful king, and serve the Lord. And Darius... Not a believer, not a believer in God, the true God, was able to say, even though, Daniel, you serve me, I know ultimately you're serving your God at all times. What an awesome statement from a pagan king. You're really serving God. I I think that's astounding. And I think it's also a word for the church in looking at elections, looking at politics, you know, what I do politically, I need to infuse with my faith. That the culture might say, you separate, you know, separation of church and state and keep your faith out of politics, but we say, how can I do different? How can I be inconsistent in my faith 
and treat politics like a separate arena where the rules are different. My faith has to go into those places. This is the way I vote. This is the way I think. This is the way I do even the political arena. I'm consistent. This is Daniel. And yes, Daniel served pagan kings that didn't flinch at tossing whole families to the lions, as we see in a few minutes. That's the guy Daniel's serving. That's the guy Daniel says, may you live forever. The respect. We let our faith sink into our politics. We let it sink into everything. We, we are consistent there. Okay, thirdly and finally, uh, there's continual trust. The trust of Daniel. Now, maybe you notice this, but throughout the story of Daniel, it's who, who's the guy that's freaking out? Who's the guy not at peace in the story of Daniel and the lion's den? It's not Daniel, it's Darius. Did you notice that? Like, look, look, look at verse 14. Uh, 14. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. I, I never see that said about Daniel in this story. He was determined to rescue Daniel, made every effort until sundown to save him. Uh, look at verse 18 through 20. Uh, then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, without any entertainment being brought to him. He couldn't sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came to their den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions. He probably had to say it because he probably couldn't see in. It was probably the, the, just the morning, the dawn, and it's dark out, and he just wants to hear the voice. Is it possible, as much as I doubt it, because I've been up all night sleepless, is it possible that my Daniel is still alive? Now, if it was you or me, in the lion's den all night, and you hear the king's voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, is your God able to save you? You would probably say, get me out of here. You would. I think you would. But Daniel says, look, look what Daniel says. I just want to point it out to you. O king, live forever. That, those are the words of a man at peace. Aren't they? Take your time. You can get me out of here anytime. I'm good. <laughs> you know, after the first five minutes, I realized I wasn't going to be consumed, right? You know, uh, so <laughs> God rescued him. So, so uh, did, I, did I read verse 23? Yeah, let's see. I get wound up. Okay, here we go. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. One of the points of this story is Daniel trusted God. And God saved him from the lions. And it doesn't mean that God always saves His church, His people, from uh, something bad happening. He'll save you through it, though. And if you end up losing your life in some other place, He'll take you home. And you are rescued. Daniel trusted the Lord. And this is the promise when it comes to trusting the Lord. Can we get Romans up here? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May He fill you with joy and peace as you trust in Him. 
When we talk about trusting God, we often say, I'm placing my trust in God. That's a good way to say it, isn't it? Because I can place my trust in an election. I can place my trust in my income. I can place my trust on all sorts of things. But when I, when I intentionally place my trust in God, that's when I get the peace. When I place my trust in a paycheck, I don't get the peace. When I place my trust in a political party, I don't get the peace, even if my political party is the one that, 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 that's in power. It doesn't work that way because Darius shows us you could be the top guy. You could be the king. You make the laws. And you could spend the whole night without peace. You could spend the whole night torn up in your soul. Who's got it better? The persecutor of Christians or the Christians in other countries that are suffering? The one that has the most peace are the Christians that are suffering. The persecutors don't have the peace. The people with financial security, the people with power, the well-known people, they don't get the peace. The believers in God get the peace. You get the peace. That's the consistency of Daniel's life. I, From what I read here, I have no problem saying that Daniel was like, this is not a big deal anymore. You know, like they threw me in and I'm fine. O king, live forever. God closes the lion's mouths. Let's read the end of the story. Um, 24. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. Before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. I didn't say Darius was a nice guy. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for He is the living God. And He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and He saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. For He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Friends, uh, two things I'd say at the end here. Is your faith strong enough? Is your walk consistent enough that you survive the lions of this day? Is that true of you? You know what? When planes flew into New York City in a terrorist attack, what I read in the news reports were the churches were full that Sunday. But the fact is they don't stay full. Now, I'm sure some of them stayed. I'm not pessimistic enough to believe that none of them stayed. But they might fill on Sunday in response to the tragedy of that day. But is your walk consistent? Shouldn't you be in church every time that you can? I'm not legalistic about that, by the way. But that you make church a priority. That you make Bible reading a priority. Prayer a priority. That this is your walk with the Lord. And then secondly, I'd say to you this as we close. Um, The point about God in this story is really clear. He rescues. And uh, Eric told the story of the Gospel today that God sent His Son to rescue us from our sin. He died to pay 
for the wrong things that you've done. All you've got to do is respond in faith and say, I believe it. Forgive me. I confess it. I'll receive it. Now let me walk with you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes now?